Welcome to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton, aka Possibility Man. We are committed to bringing you guests who strive to better people's lives and serve as a force for good in the world. Our guest today is Lark Ambrist. She is a business coach and consultant and the creator of Chaos to Clarity programs. She draws her perspectives from years working in accounting and finance, leading a social enterprise, and from running her own businesses. Today, Lark supports individuals in developing healthy mental habits that will serve them for a lifetime. Lark, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Stephen. I'm happy to be here today. Look, I'm looking forward to this conversation. But first, this message to our listeners and our viewers, follow, like, and share, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you find it. Hey, Lark, one of my great pleasures hosting this podcast is that I get to talk to difference makers from around the world. So let me ask you, where are you on the planet today? Today, I am in the lovely island of St. Lucia. It's down in the Caribbean. Uh-huh. What, what's it like there? It's now, it's, it's February, 1st of February. Um, what's the weather like in St. Lucia? Uh, perfect. Just about sums it up, but you may want something a little bit more clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, if it's perfect, Clark, I got, I've been all over the Caribbean, but never uh, St. Lucia. I'm going to put that on my bucket list. So <laughs> You need to. It's got the beautiful pitos. It's a beautiful blue sky, lots of fresh fruits. It's a beautiful place to be. That's wonderful. Hey, you once worked in corporate America, as I understand it, you know, you voluntarily left the corporate world. Why did you leave the corporate world? Uh, I left the corporate world because although I did enjoy the work, it was not what I call fulfilling. Uh, so I wanted my waking hours, my productive hours, my best income earning productivity uh, years to be more fulfilling. I wanted to also feel a good sense of purpose and feel like I was making a big difference. Uh-huh, I see. So what drew you to coaching and consulting? Why in this particular area for work? At this stage, uh, I have committed to being a full-time coach after um, a lot of years doing other things. And I had a crossroads. I hit a crossroads. I had a decision to make. I, it took me back to think of when throughout my career did I feel most fulfilled? When I did, when did I feel I was making the most impact? And that had always been when I was coaching people. Uh, whether officially or unofficially. And so that's what led me to embrace this is what I do full time. That's when mm -hmm. I just felt, you, yeah. Yeah, so how did you, I'm curious, how did you know that you had the right stuff, you know, to be right. a coach and to consult with corporations? Because you work not only with individuals, you also work with companies. How did you know, Lark? So here's the funny thing. Um, coaching found me, I didn't find coaching. Uh, I, my first paid client um, came to me and said, hey, I see what you're doing with the staff. I, I was brought on to be a consultant in her business. And she said to me, I see what you're doing with the staff. I like how things are going. Uh, 
I need some one-on-one. I need you to coach me personally. And so I had at that point, I, I didn't even know people paid other people to do this. You know, I knew it for sports. Uh, I have been an avid tennis fan for my life. Um, but I didn't know that people paid people to do this in business. And so that's kind of how coaching found me. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, that's that's the best way to get involved. So, um, so th- do you like it? Love it. I was born mm. to do this. <laughs> wow. What makes you say that? Because there is a sense of, um, I mean, I keep using the word fulfillment, but you work with a client, they're a little confused. Um, their confidence has taken a hit for one reason or another. Uh, they're overwhelmed because of all of the choices that they have to make. And then you see them come through the journey. You see them getting clearer and clearer on mission. You see them being able to sort themselves out. Uh, and there's no bigger joy than seeing someone say, oh my gosh, like, you know, that, that, that's, you just see it. It's almost like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, you know, they, they just get washed clean or something. I mean, that, that's pretty um, big of a statement, but you see the difference in people. That yeah, brings I'm- joy, you know, that brings joy. I, I like it. I get it. Uh, we, we get that. Yeah. Yeah. So look, but you watch the news, you know, around the world, you know, some world news broadcasts, uh, you read papers and magazines that talk about what's happening in the world today. And more importantly, you talk to people all over the place and, and so various social media fro- uh, platforms. What's what's going on? What are people reporting what are you hearing about the world, about the suicides, about the, what are you, what's going on? So um, that's an interesting question. Uh, and I, I will have to uh, correct you a little bit. I make a point of limiting as much as possible my com- consummation of international news. Um, I, I really do. Uh, I do tend to keep aware. I, I do try to keep abreast of what's going on on major things, but not um, truly, honestly, not daily consumption of a whole lot. Um, but to address your uh, question, I think one of the things that you that I, I could address is my awareness of, like, for example, in St. Lucia, this little beautiful island where we have a high um, violent crime rate sometimes, right? There are times when uh, in a school, you know, there was a stabbing incident or something like that. I mean, these are just horrific things that are not just localized to St. Lucia, right? So we hear these things on the news, um, the mass shootings and things like that. We also have problems here. Uh, what do I think of that? I think that people are really stressed. People have lost the ability to tap into themselves and feel joy. That does not come from outside. It doesn't come from watching a movie or just having a lovely dinner. Those are nice. Those are feelings that are fleeting. That internal connection to joy and so us and to things that truly make a difference. Um, I think people are, are have lost that or, or they're so stressed uh, that they're not tapping into that anymore. And I think what all of those things that are playing out in the media, I think those are directly related to that. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, I saw something on social media, in fact, on the LinkedIn platform mm-hmm. just this morning. And uh, I've already mentioned it to you and asked you 
if you would be opening open to me, sharing it, and just to get your take on it. And just I want everyone to know that you have not seen this before, so you'll be seeing it and then responding on the fly. Are you still okay. open to doing that with me? I am. I am. Okay, great. I'm going to pull it up now. Um, let me go to let me go to share my screen. Just give me one second here. Um, okay, can you see it? Yes, yes, I can. Okay, okay, I'm going to hit play. Okay. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love okay. that. Yeah. So, um, Lark, I'm going to pause the video just a second. So, Lark, we've just um, watched this little video clip. What do you make of it? I love that video. I love that video. Um, it speaks such volumes. Um, it also reminds me of a, a keynote speech I had done one time about one candle, about being a candle, being a light, and the power of your light. Um, your lighting another candle does not diminish your light. And I look at that um, that 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 video that you just shared, and that came to mind. Um, sometimes it does take community. Uh, sometimes we need support. We need a little spark from outside to ignite the goodness and that beauty that's within us to shine again. So yes, I do, I do, I do support that video. I, I love that video. Um, yeah. And indeed, yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly caught my attention and I, I concur with you when I thought about it. I said, I'm gonna ask her and see yeah. if she's willing to, to make a comment. Yeah. So now, um, and, and I wanted to ask you because, you know, you, your, your, uh, your consulting firm um, carries the name uh, chaos to clarity. And first, I want to ask you, why did you create uh, this type of agency? Why those two words, chaos, right. and then clarity? Yeah, I think the first, the first, the first place I'll start is chaos. Uh, mm -hmm. Chaos for me is not necessarily a bad thing. Chaos for me means that you have many, many, many options. And sometimes you have so many options, it's overwhelming. Uh, that is what may lead to confusion, just feeling, you know, overwhelmed. I'm drowning. You know, I had a client one time just say, I just feel like I'm drowning. That is my definition of the chaos. So your chaos may not look like my chaos. Um, my chaos may look like, I'm a wife, mother, daughter, um, executive, manufacturer, supply, you know, that might be my chaos and just trying to sort it all out 
it all demands my attention simultaneously, you know, uh, and your chaos may be, I'm a breadwinner. I just lost my job and I have a new kid on the way and, and uh, I'm having trouble at home. Like your chaos might be different. So that's the chaos. And I just saw it everywhere. I continue to see it everywhere. You know, we go through our personal struggles and journeys and then clarity, clarity being, you know, you can sort it all out. You can get comfortable with each of those options that you have, put it in perspective. And so that way you can feel more peace. You can feel more centered. You can feel that, okay, good. Now that I have aligned all of these options with what my core values are, I now can focus on what is most important right now. So that for me is the journey from chaos to clarity. You know, Mm -hmm. that is for me what is, that's what I want to bring to more and more and more people. That's what I want to help people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So do you think um, every human being has their own light, their own individual power source? Let's call it light. I do. Hmm. Simply, so, yes, I do. Yeah. So, so then, so you're saying we're on a journey called life. And in this life, sometimes, like the illustration we just saw in that video, right. you know, we can get a little, little discouraged or what have you. Right. And so then when you go in then, either with a firm or person, what do you try to do with them? Because you don't have to give them their light, right? What do you try to do with them? No, definitely not. Uh, if I gave them my light, then that would be me polluting even them. Mm-hmm. Because I believe within each of us, we have the ability to sort ourselves out to we have the strength that we need to overcome the challenges that we are going through. Hmm. What happens though, is just like we saw that water, you know, just, just being poured in the glass until you're completely submerged. You've lost your ability to tap into that because you are literally drowning, Mm -hmm. but you do have that light. You do still have that ability. You have lost sight and touch and connection with it. And so what I do is to help you find it again. I help you remember the areas where you were strong. I helped you, I help you remember when you were most creative, when you were strongest. I help draw that out of you. I help you Mm -hmm. figure out what is missing. Maybe there are additional resources that are required. So yes, you may have the capacity to get yourself from one place to another. That does not mean you necessarily have all of the resources that, that are required. You may need someone to help you figure that out. So that's that's what I do. That's the core of what I do. I do start with each person as if they have their answer. I can't have your best answer. You do. Uh-huh. But I help uh-huh. you figure that out. I help you figure out what is true for you. What is true for you? Yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah, I like that, Lark, because you're saying that the, that the person who comes to you comes to you with the answers that they may not see in a particular moment. Indeed. And then you see it as your job to tease that out of them. Right. Uh, that's, that's beautiful. Maybe this is why, because I saw something else as I was doing my workup <laughs> on you. Uh, you wrote that you help co-create uh, a, the success path 
right. of your clients, so the people that yeah. you work with. Tell me about your co-creating. What do you mean by that? Right. Uh, which builds directly off of what we were just speaking about. I can give you what worked for me. And that's great because I had the parents that I did. I grew up in the home that I did. I grew up culturally the way that I did. I got the exposures that I did. So based on all of those different things, intellectual, academic, spiritual, all of those things factored into me. And as a result of that, I build and build and grow. Same is true for you and everyone else. So when we look at co-creating, I help you tap into what your strengths are. See where maybe you have been in your own way before. Um, a lot of what I work with now is mental fitness, right? And we look at the three core muscle, uh, mind muscles. We work on those fitness, the mental fitness element. You have to, it is important when each person can tap into and understand what are, what have they been doing to self-sabotage? What are the ways that they get in their own way? And then mm -hmm. when we can figure that out, then we can figure out how do we overcome them? What, what techniques what tools do we need so that we can now say, this is where you are right now. These are some of the obstacles that are in the way or that you are perceiving to be in the way. Mm -hmm. And this is where you want to get to. Now, what do we have to work on or what additional resources do we need or any of those things? Let's help you figure that out. I can't just give you my blueprint because that's just what it'll be. My blueprint, not yours. So the core creation is that you are tapping into because you better than anyone else, your parent, your twin, you better than anyone else understands where you are. What you may need help with is how do you align that better? How do you make all of your strengths work better for you. And so, mm -hmm. okay, let's talk about it. Let me hold the mirror up and show you, and then you can navigate your way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I want to dive deeper into what you said about mental health, and I want to do body health as well in just a moment. But before we do that, Locke, I want to just go a little further with the, the kinds of things I sense, because I'm a human being as well, uh, people deal with. And one of them, is getting over the messes we sometimes create in our own lives. So how do you help people manage self-forgiveness, for example? Mm -hmm. That is, if you follow me, that is forgiving themselves for what they perceive as mistakes in their lives. Right. Um... I could use a beautiful example, but I didn't have, I don't have permission to, um, it could be a, a scenario where someone was triggered, you know, something came up and they responded in a manner that did not reflect their best selves. Um, and so in retrospect, when they have had time to calm down, they realize oh, this was not my proudest moment. Um, and they now have to figure out now what? Because now you have a choice. Now that you've figured that out, you can sit and wallow in that. And the uh, analogy I like to use is the hand on the hot stove, right? Mm -hmm. In that moment, Stephen, you recognize that, oh my goodness, 
that was, I'm, I'm embarrassed by my behavior. This is not what my mother would be proud of me for doing all of the rest of it, right? You can sit there feeling sorry for yourself from now until next year this time. Or you can take that as an opportunity to say, oh, what was going on? Oh, I know. Before I had that interaction, I was really upset about X. And I let that influence my response to this particular scenario. And then I need to make an apology. And I need to also make an apology to me. And I need to have some compassion for myself because in that moment, I lost it. I'm human. I'm an imperfect human being. Everyone makes mistakes. That was mine today. Um, and you have to be able to work past that. Sometimes you need a coach to get you through. Sometimes you figure it out on your own. Sometimes you take six months to figure that out. Sometimes you take five minutes, right? Yeah, but that's, that's, that's great. How I would, yeah, that's how I would, that's how I'd answer that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's great insights. You know, and you touched on all the words. I, I was going to kind of isolate them, <laughs> but you touched them, you know, compassion, self-compassion, human, we all humans. And I tell you, uh, and I don't want to wax religion in this interview with you, but I know someone, one of the masters back in the in, in Bible days said, he who has not committed sin, let him, <laughs> of course, generically cast right. the first stone, which tells us that right. we all you know, have our goofos, that's for sure. So how do you work with people, Lark, who come with you then? Let me just fucking find a word. Yes, here's a good one. Regrets. I mean, just regrets. Regress as in go back. As yeah, in, if, if they were said, you know yeah. something, and, you know, and I've said that myself, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, okay, boy, had I done that yesterday, right, I would have done right. something totally different. So yes, it's like, how yes. do you help people with that? Yeah. I mean, you know, as a coach, you have your techniques, you have your tools, you have your modes, you have your modalities, you kind of figure out, okay, what is going on? Was this an instance where we need to train you on how do we have nonviolent communication? How do we not have you just slip off the deep end and just start spewing? You know, maybe what you need is to learn to self-regulate a little better. Maybe what you need mm -hmm. to understand is what's triggering you. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a little bit of exploration, hence the talking um, and just exploring with people and, and, and just playing with that a little bit. Um, yeah. But in an instance like that, sure, you know, we we just um, we just need to to pause sometimes. That's usually the very very first step. What happened? What actually happened? <laughs> right before we get lost in the emotion and the shame and the guilt and the anger and the fear. First, first, what what are the facts? Stephen said this, Lark said that, like, these are the facts. These were the words that were, we need to just at least be able to acknowledge that. That's always the starting ground, like the facts. Let's yeah. just look at the facts and then everything else will follow. That's right. <laughs> oh boy, that's so great. Hey, look, I want to go into, you mentioned uh, mental health a moment ago, and I want to approach it this way because you refer to, you work with the people to develop, I'm using your phrase now, healthy habits. So right. let's look at mental health first. Um, how do you work with people in this area? You know, who may be struggling? We've already been doing it, but take us right. a little deeper who are struggling with just being okay. And let me just say this uh, parenthetic, uh, parenthetically, 
I find this to be a very, you know, important uh, topic, mental health. Mm -hmm. um, where I grew up, I know one kid who was in my high school class who, who died by suicide as an adult. Mm -hmm. uh, there could have been another one who died by suicide as a younger man. Right. But of course, we hear about, you know, the stars and those kinds of things. Right. Uh, in another community, I heard of a very successful individual, I'm not going to be too specific about him, you know, mid-60s who died by suicide. So there are people who struggle with their health. And talk with us, however you want to talk with us about this. Okay, I think um, I need to be really clear uh, that I am not a mental health professional. I'm not a trained psychiatrist, psychologist, or therapist. So I deal with mental fitness and my language is very clear. It's mental fitness. It's about building healthy mental habits, hmm. building mental well-being so that you're able to show up to all situations, all challenging situations with a positive mindset. So I work with mental well-being in that regard. I just wanted to be uh, I just want to make sure I make that distinction. I, I don't want people to think that I deal with mentally ill people and make them well. That is, that's not yeah. the focus of, yeah. of my work. It's to work with everyone who is uh, looking to develop healthier habits. So you want to lose weight, grow your business, be a better parent. The application is broad. Uh, it's about mental fitness. It's about developing healthy habits, about building those mental muscles so that you're responding in a way that's clear, that's uh, compassionate, that taps into what I call the sage part of the brain. Uh, that's so just want to make sure I, I, um, I made that clear. Yeah. So the first, yeah, that's yeah. great. And I'm going to just throw this in there. I'm glad you made that distinction because actually this is the first time I've heard someone articulate, you know, mental well-being in the way that you have. So I appreciate that. As a friend of mine likes to say, my schema just grew then. So you talk <laughs> about mental hygiene and not necessarily uh, being you know, a trauma coach and that kind of thing. Correct. I am not a trauma-informed specialist or any of those things. I look at mental fitness as looking at the three core muscles and what I would call the saboteur interceptor, the station, the self-command. We can delve deeply and more deeply into each of those. But those are the three muscles that I look at. And I can go through the why those three muscles and all of that. But just, just want to make sure that, you know, we are, we're talking the same language and, and yeah. no one feels I like I was that. representing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but well, you mentioned those three muscles. I don't know about sure. them. Can you, can you help um, enlighten sure us? Thing. Yeah, so I think I just gave you a lovely illustration of the uh, saboteur interceptor with the mm -hmm. hand on the hot stove, right? That is just, that's the illustration I always use to just make that clear. Something happens and you can run the risk of wallowing um, for protracted periods of time because of something that happened um, this morning, a year ago, and you could just stay there. Or you can learn to interrupt that pattern and recognize there's an alert. Um, uh, there's a message I'm supposed to receive here. And the message could be, um, I need to take uh, a step back. If I get triggered, I need to take a step back. I need to count to 10. Or it could be that I am predisposed to say yes, 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 when the answer is really no. And so when I 
flare up or I have an outburst, it could be because, oh my, no, that's because the resentment was building over time. I kept saying yes, 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 too many times. And that was just the one that, that was the one quote unquote, you know, straw that broke the camel's back. So it's a saboteur mm-hmm. interceptor where that's what I call being hijacked. Before that even happens, you learn to recognize the signs. And when things happen, yes, we are human. We will instinctively have a reaction. That's the hot stove. That's the alert. That's something you need to be paying attention here, right? So that's one muscle that we work on, the interceptor. The -hmm. second one is the sage. It's the ability to then say, oh, wait, no. Having recognized that that was just an alert signal, now we need to tap into the other part of the brain that says, yeah, what, what is this? What's the message? I got the signal. Okay, great. I got it. That hurt. <laughs> now what am I supposed to learn from that? Uh, so it's not that that was a good thing or a bad thing. It was a thing happened. Now, what is the benefit of that? What's the gift of knowledge here? What, what, mm. what, what can I, how can I be a better person for having had that particular experience? Right. That's going into that part of the brain where it's coming from a place of love and understanding and compassion and kindness, always, not out of fear. It's coming out of a place of love and understanding and compassion. Mm-hmm. And then the third muscle is the self-command. That's the ability to switch from one to the other. That's the ability to spot what's happening so that you can stop whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and take pause, redirect so that you can tap into that other part of the brain. So that could show up in as a parent. Uh, I have some. I have an amazing story about a parent, which you know maybe if time allows, I can share. Um, but yeah, as, as a leader, you know, you're going into something and you are just irate. Somebody did not deliver, for example, on something they should have, and you're you know you are about to blow your top. You know, we teach you how to do some PQ reps and just switch into that sage part of your brain so that you are now able to ask a question. Oh, I'm sorry. What happened? Why, why, why did we miss this deadline? As opposed to, oh my goodness, there again. Okay. So it's the ability to, how do you show up differently? How do you show up in a more sage space? So mm-hmm. I, I, that was a long answer, I know, to your question. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that fundamentally that. are the three core muscles and that's kind of how they show up and how they work and how they can be applied. I, I love it. Thank you. Um, so in, in talking about healthy habits, you also include physical health. How's, mm-hmm. How does that show up in your work? Uh, if I got that right. So I am not a fed, well, indirectly it does. So when you are clear on purpose, when you are clear on mission, when you know mm-hmm. what your goals are, uh, then we can help you understand, okay, how do you keep that in focus? What it is you're working toward? What mindset do you need to have? Mm-hmm. Oh, who do you need to show up as so that you continually do what it is you say you're going to do. So is it to lose weight? Great. We'll sit down and talk about, I'm not a nutritionist. What I can, maybe what your answer is, you keep thinking that you're going to follow this diet and that diet and that diet. It's not working. It hasn't been working. Um, And you're about to embark on another one and you just need somebody to say, so tell me about, you know, and then you start to hear back. You hear yourself back you know, and yeah. then you realize, oh my gosh, no, I keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And what did Einstein say? I'm expecting a different result. It's not going to happen. Right. What I need is to redirect. So that's kind yeah. of how we work with the mindset. 
to achieve. I see. So you don't tell people what to eat or tell or tell no. them what weights to live for, but you talk right. with them about their habits and let right. them take a look at what they I got you. Correct. Yeah. And then if they need support with finding the kind of support that they need, mm -hmm. the technical part, then okay, great. Mm -hmm. We can help evaluate. If you want to evaluate several options, then we can talk through what works with this one opposed to that one, we can kind of filter down through until you get to what your happy place is. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. a moment ago, Lark, you mentioned nonviolent communication. Oh, I love that right. phrase, nonviolent <laughs> communication. Yes. And as I did my workup on you, I came across, you know, conflict management. So right. is it possible for you to merge those two things together, conflict management, nonviolent communication, and how you work with people? Sure thing. Um, so the nonviolent communication would be a critical component of the conflict management. So when mm -hmm. we're talking about conflict management, we need to understand why is there a conflict? We don't need to break down what happened and who said what. No, we need to understand, well, first of all, what is conflict? The first, first thing, what is conflict? Conflict is that I'm holding one position, you're holding another. I am holding on to mine with both hands, eyes closed. I'm not letting go as are you. Okay. And nobody's budging. <laughs> so what we need to do is to manage that and understand what is it that you want? Okay. Um, what, what, what is your position? What's driving your position? Why is that so important to you? What is the impact in your perception of that position? For you, what, what impact does it have? And then we need to do a similar exercise for each party involved. That's when we truly can start to make some progress. Because when we can understand those fundamental whys, now we can actually implement the nonviolent communication. Now we can actually talk about these things. What are the facts? What, did it, what do you need? What do I need? Okay. What are the feelings that are involved there? Why is this important? Why is this important to me? Why is this important to you? All right, great. Now we're getting somewhere. What you may find out is that we actually both want the same thing. You know, the conflict is just in the methodology. And when we can actually talk about what fundamentally it is, you may find that the best solution, the outcome, not what you wanted, not what I wanted. <laughs> we actually were able to communicate in a manner that let the best scenario emerge. Uh, so nonviolent communication is a tool that we would use in conflict management. I got it. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we surely we need people, you know, working with people about resolving how to resolve, uh, or at least how to get through stressful conversations. I found people just don't know how to sometimes, and you're right. Right. They're anchored in their perspectives and no one wants to budge. Um, I want to move away from that um, and talk about uh, entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And if I have this right, I think that one of your niches is to work with women uh, as entrepreneurs. Can right. you take us into that world just briefly? Sure. Um, I think we have uh, read over and over again that part of this huge, what's it called? Not the quiet quitting, um, the mass resignation has been uh, a lot of women, if not disproportionately mm -hmm. women. Um, and so we're entering this workspace where for decades, uh, and I'll use myself and my co-host on my, uh, my live um, 
you know, we were in corporate, we worked for big, wonderful organizations and, you know, not that they were bad, um, but we knew what we were doing. We knew who we were accountable to. Um, you know, we, we, we had a, a fair, we had a good sense of security there. And now we're venturing out into this new world of entrepreneurship where we're driving our own ship. We're the ones making all of the decisions. Uh, and that can be pretty overwhelming. And I think oftentimes entrepreneurs don't realize how lonely of a journey that is, how overwhelming it can become very quickly. Uh, and that loss of security is huge. Uh, women, uh, I, you know, I like working with women. Uh, one, I'm a woman. One, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, it was a very lonely, long, hard one. Uh, and I could not find a coach or a mentor that I felt comfortable working with. And so I became her, right? Uh, but the world of entrepreneurship is just uh, a lonely, long one. You can get overwhelmed pretty fast. Uh, and I find especially so with people who had been in a corporate career for a long time, because there's a whole sense of security that's just gone. Uh, there, there are no frameworks anymore, whether you led or you were being led, whether you were being led or you were leading, there was still a framework. You, you still operated within a certain corporate culture now you are out there on your own as an entrepreneur. You have to create every single thing. Uh, and I think a lot of those sensitivities are missed from the, in the outset. Uh, and people tend to be uh, not as um, patient and as confident, uh, especially two, three, four years in. They were expecting a magic bullet uh, and it's not happening. And now confidence is, you know, their confidence is, ero is, is eroded. Um, they're beginning to question everything. Yeah, so that's kind of when mindset kicks in. The importance of mindset, I should say, really, really kicks in. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah. So um, are there some challenges that are unique to women because of their sex? Women entrepreneurs. Right. Because of their sex. Yeah. I mean, that's always a, a dicey one. I would say yes. Um, and mm. that would be because typically... Uh, in the home, the woman tends to have certain responsibilities. It's just how it historically has always been. Um, even in a, a, a two-parent household, a lot falls on the woman, um, be it meal preparation, caregiving of the children. I mean, a lot more seems to fall on women. That's just historically how it's always been. Uh, and so when men help that's great it's celebrated it's like this novel thing um and so i feel that when it comes to female entrepreneurship there's that additional focus of the home that men may not be burdened with and so i think that is fundamentally where it's a little different potentially that much harder for women because they have a whole other um, a whole other world of responsibility um, that they, they are fearful of messing up. That's mm. a pressure. That's an underlying mm. concern, you mm. know, as a mother. I am not a mother, I will say that, but working with women who have children or parents or people who are dependent on mm. them, 
there is yeah. always that concern. There is always that level of guilt that's associated with taking the time to pursue mm. their own passions because yeah. they, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a huge, um, it's a huge uh, reconciliation to make the passion mm. of pursuing your own uh, and feeling that it's at the expense of, and, yeah. and so that's a really Yeah, you know, I, I get it, you know, and I think we all face to a certain degree, the imposter syndrome, you know, no matter who we are, Right. But perhaps certain groups may have another layer right. uh, added to it just because they're in this demographics. Would you say that's about true for, for women as well? I would. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now uh, you do executive coaching and consulting. Do you work with individuals who have never been an executive or, you know, an entrepreneur? Or do you just, you know, let's say just an average person? I do. Um, I don't work exclusively with any one um, group. I will say I got my first coaching client many years ago. I have adopted um, coaching as my full-time profession all of one year. So I am still, I would say, in, in my growth phase. At this yeah. stage, I have worked with many different people, and I am still at the stage where I have not specialized and uh, cast anyone away. So I have worked with quite an interesting um, spectrum of, of from the artist uh, to the uh, fellow coaches to, you know, other, just wide range, male, women, black, white, like I've still been pretty broad. Um, so yeah, I, I, I won't say that yeah. I've specialized and only do executive. Yeah, I, I, I will work with anyone. I don't turn anyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. love it. You know, we we all are beings robed in skin, and especially yeah, I guess I get that. Yeah. Now, um, in your work though, you include things like you know strategic planning and and team building. Can you just give us a snapshot of of your real you know of your tools in your wheelhouse uh, in respect to those things? Um. So the thing with working with teams, it's always mm -hmm. so interesting. Uh, it just depends on what their needs are. Um, strategic planning, I have, um, I have my own way of doing that. I think that it is incredibly important to focus on 90-day uh, blocks of time. Um, it is important to understand overarchingly where we're heading. Um, but we really need to drill down into the 90-day incremental bits of the journey. Uh, and I think that's kind of maybe where I do things a little differently from, from a lot of people, um, where, yes, it is important to have that big overarching, we know where we're going to be in a year, and we know what we want to do in three and five beyond. Um, but I really do spend a lot of attention on the next 90 days. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, I think, yeah. Okay. Look, we've been, uh, talking for a little while now. Um, before I close though, I do want to ask you, is there anything that you want to share with us that I have not asked you already? Um, no, I thought you asked uh, a lot of wonderful questions and I had an opportunity to share a lot of what I would want to, um, I think the one thing I, I just would want to share is that everybody could benefit from 
developing healthier mental habits. I, I really, mm. really do. I believe everybody needs some mental fitness. Uh, and there's a reason why we call it mental fitness. We are very aware of our bodies. You know, summer is coming and we want to put on swimsuits and shorts and we want to get out there and look our best. And we spend a lot of money and time doing that. And we neglect the mind. We just don't even think about it. And so mm. I really would love for people to be a lot more sensitive to that, that um, it is important too. It is maybe even more important, some would say. Uh, and so that's what I would encourage everyone. And, you know, just uh, last last comment would just be to develop some daily morning practices. So in the morning when we wake up, uh, if I were to strongly encourage everyone on the planet, it would be those first five minutes upon waking up. Don't preoccupy your, your, your mind with what's going to happen in the day and start start putting out fires before they've even started. Just spend those first five minutes just looking at your breath, for example, just lying on your back and looking at the ceiling, for example, just taking mm -hmm. some time to just settle in and just be quiet with yourself. If you're into prayer, take those first five minutes to pray. Um, if you chant, take those first five minutes to chant, whatever it is that your practice is. Yeah. And if you have no practice, just sit and count fingers over and over, but five minutes, just give yourself those five minutes. It has an amazing impact on the brain. This has been, we can go into the, the whole thing with the mental fitness, but an MRI would show that you have now raised your threshold for what, what you're able to handle. So things that might have had you slip off the handle, had you not done that, you're kind of raising the bar on that. So you can generally have a better day if you take those first five minutes to just get into the right headspace to start the day. Uh, well, that's, I didn't know we were going to talk about mindfulness, but I'll tell you what, I dipped <laughs> into, <laughs> into that state, if you want to call it that, as you shared with us. That was beautiful, Lark. Thank you for adding that to our conversation. Okay, so you have been listening to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton. Our guest today has been Lark Ambrose. Until next time, good day. Just keep on.